Hello, this is Simone. Welcome to Race Reflections at Work, the podcast that focuses on inequality, injustice, and oppression in the workplace. This episode will focus on workplace issues surrounding ableism and sanism as they impact neurodivergent, mentally ill, and disabled people. To send us your queries, questions, and dilemmas, please email at work at racereflections.co.uk. That email again is at work at racereflections.co.uk. First, as always, it is important to define these terms. I define ableism as a system of oppression that privileges neurotypical and able-bodied people across all spheres of society. Sometimes this term is used interchangeably with the term disabilism. So let's talk about the difference. Ableism is used to describe how neurotypical and able-bodied people benefit from this system of oppression, while disabilism may be used to describe what disabled people experience as far as discrimination and oppression when it comes to living in a neurotypical and able-bodied focused society. I think the difference is slight, but it's whether you're focusing on the oppressor or the oppressed group. Now, sanism to me falls under the umbrella of ableism, and it is a form of oppression that specifically impacts neurodivergent and mentally ill folks. Now, typically, because we live in our bodies, there may be disabilities that are visible and disabilities that are invisible, and there may be mental illness that we have due to trauma or other life circumstances, and there may be ways that we are neurodivergent from birth. So let's talk about some of these terms and note the difference. Neurodivergent is a term for people whose brains are not typical according to the powers that be. We as neurodivergent people are neurodivergent from birth most of the time. For example, I'm an autistic person and I have been autistic from birth. Other examples include people who are both autistic and have ADHD or just people who have ADHD. And some scholars and activists mention other experiences like childhood PTSD and PTSD as permanently changing the brain from being a typical brain to a neurodivergent brain. So I think we should think about disability and neurodivergence, as well as ableism, disabilism, and sanism as umbrella terms that have a lot of overlap and that depend on the people that are defining them. People and institutions carry a lot of power in determining what is and what is not typical, and what should and should not be done with people who are atypical. Here at Race Reflections, being that we prioritize and center marginalized groups, we take an approach to neurodivergence, disability, and mental illness that does not treat these experiences as pathological and in fact understands that being disabled, mentally ill, or neurodivergent is a common human experience. It's also possible then that we face discrimination and oppression for being disabled, mentally ill, and neurodivergent at the same time, or that throughout our lives, we might become disabled or mentally ill 
or recognize finally that we are neurodivergent. As it so happens with many people who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s today, they are just now starting to realize that they may be autistic, have ADHD, or other forms of neurodivergence. Finally, one last term that I want to define as intersectionality. Given to us by Kimberly Crenshaw, it is a theory of inequality that talks about how one's race, class, and gender can intersect and result in a life where a person can experience multiple forms of oppression. That means we can't really have a discussion about neurodivergence, mental illness, or disability without seeing how intimately tied white norms are to notions of health and wellness or normalcy. That also means that when we talk about disabled and mentally ill and neurodivergent people and how they are treated at work, we can't forget that they can also be facing racism, sexism, homophobia, and so much more. Now that we defined some of these important terms, let's talk about how prior to entering the workforce, neurodivergent, mentally ill, and disabled people face discrimination at home, at school, in higher ed, and other settings where we try to get an education in order to enter the workforce. One of the things I like discussing is the ableist setup of schooling in the first place. The assumption that children and young adults, and then later on, people who grow up into adults, can sit and pay attention to something for eight or more hours in a way that prevents us from moving around or perhaps accommodating our needs or advocating for ourselves, where the expectation is that you will be able to stay put, pay attention, move from task to task without an issue, and do so uniformly as well as other people. Now, when it comes to those of us who are disabled, mentally ill, or neurodivergent, these kinds of environments that are expected of us at school and later at work are antithetical to our thriving and being successful because these expectations go against what our bodies and minds need to actually make it through the day. And as a result of not being able to thrive in ableist environments and setups, we're often misunderstood and disciplined. One of the things I often think about is the way that young children who are neurodivergent or disabled or mentally ill are punished for being different and are sanctioned or retaliated against, or moved from school to school, and are designated as troublesome children. And basically, because we live in such an ableist and sanest society, we, as disabled and mentally ill children, are considered poorly behaved. And that kind of experience later on gets criminalized and pathologized even more when as children grow up, they are expected to mask their difference and behave appropriately. Now, of course, disabled children grow up to be disabled adults and mentally ill children grow up to be mentally ill adults and neurodivergent children grow up to be neurodivergent adults. And what does not change, even as we grow, is that we need 
an understanding environment and people to accommodate our needs instead of thinking we are poorly behaved or too stubborn or simply don't want to do schooling or work. Of course, in the first place, before we start talking about work issues, many disabled people are not able to access college and graduate school education, particularly if they are marginalized along racial and class lines. As a result, many disabled, mentally ill, and neurodivergent people are not hired by employers who require a degree or special credentials. This is one of the many ways people are kept from performing legitimate work. By legitimate work, I mean employment that is valued by society and where there's a possibility for workplace protections. It is also employment where there's a paper trail that can be traced when it comes to pay and benefits. As a result, a lot of disabled, mentally ill, and neurodivergent people do not work. Now, based on where we live, there may be some disability benefits, and I use that word really loosely, that people can apply for, but they tend to be very small and not necessarily help people be able to afford uh, rent, groceries, or their health care. I'd like to remind you that because we are neurodivergent, disabled, or mentally ill, we have to have more of an interaction with the medical industrial complex and the healthcare industries as we try to navigate our experience. And all that costs quite a bit of money. And especially here in the United States, for example, healthcare access is tied to working legitimate jobs. And when we aren't able to work a nine to five or do so in a legitimate way, then we cannot access health care that may help us thrive and succeed in this world. According to the Equality Act of 2010, more than 4.7 million disabled people are employed in the UK, which is probably a very small number by comparison to folks who are not. But let's talk about those who are employed. According to that same Equality Act of 2010, employers are required to make workplace adjustments, known as reasonable accommodations, to help disabled people work. But... One in three people think disabled people are less productive than non-disabled people. And it's important for us to challenge assumptions like that if we are to address ableism and sanism in the workplace. Now, why do people think that disabled people are less productive? If the setup of our schools and our work and capitalism is to work a nine to five in a rigid way without being upset at the structure, and that is how productivity is measured, then of course those of us who are not fitting well with that structure are going to be seen as less productive. But if you rethink how people are productive, you might discover that some of us autistic folks or folks with ADHD get a lot more work done in a shorter amount of time if we are then able to rest for longer periods in between. Basically, people's cognitive and other abilities differ, 
and forcing folks into one singular structure of work or productivity or definition of success means that we're missing other ways of working, being productive or successful. And an inclusive workplace can have a positive impact, not just on those of us who are neurodivergent, mentally ill or disabled, but on everybody. Because people who are managers or higher up in the organization can address some of this ableism and sanism in the workplace. They need to consider the following things. Every workplace needs to work on becoming more and more accessible, not just accessible based on the legal definition of reasonable accommodations, but accessible based on what neurodivergent, disabled, and mentally ill people themselves express that they need. A lot of times, people do not share with their employers um, their conditions or their situation for fear of losing work and therefore can never be properly accommodated because they fear a hostile working environment, retaliation, or being fired. So it needs to be very clear from the jump in your recruitment and orientation and workplace policies that this is an inclusive workplace explicitly for neurodivergent, disabled, and mentally ill people. I think a lot of these topics are considered very taboo to discuss at work and therefore contribute to the stigma and discrimination that people face. So it's not so much about what your workers are requesting. It's also about what they are not able to request and being able to preempt that by explicitly stating that you are an inclusive workplace for disabled, neurodivergent, and mentally ill people. And that can be shown through flexible and remote work. The COVID-19 pandemic that gripped the world showed us how important it is to give people options to work remotely. And in fact, it helped a lot of disabled people finally be able to work. Now that everyone is being told to go back in person, there are a lot of disabled people who are back to where they began and are now facing COVID-19 as far as risk is concerned as immunocompromised people. What I think we should have learned from the COVID-19 pandemic is becoming a lot more flexible around work so that can help people who are disabled. There are so many other ways to support disabled, mentally ill, and neurodivergent people at work, but you need to have an explicit workplace policy. Share it with your team and your employees and be able to explain the terms we've been discussing to everyone at your job. You might consider that there is a lot of unconscious bias impacting your recruitment practices. Think about where you're advertising your jobs, who will find it, how they're able to read it or access it. Like I said, there are so many different kinds of disabilities or cognitive difference or neurodivergence. So it's important to think about the language that we use and not be offensive to people with disabilities and not be inappropriate. There are sometimes certain clauses included in job ads that signal to disabled people they're not welcome at the workplace, especially if you're putting in 
requirements to stand for certain periods of time or to be able to lift certain amounts of weight, which often don't even really show up in people's actual jobs day to day. So think about how to confront ableism and sanism in uh, your workplace, but also in yourself and lead by example. You need to encourage your team members to contribute to an inclusive environment by, you know, offering sensitivity trainings, by hiring outside independent consultants to figure out if your workplace is really inclusive. But for me, it always goes back to talking to folks that are impacted, talking to everyone at your workplaces to not single us out, but to listen to what people's actual needs and accommodations might be. Being flexible with working hours, with time off, with working remotely, with working at different hours of the day helps everybody. It then also encourages people who have young children or have caretaking responsibilities, you know, to be part of this inclusive workplace. When we understand that people have needs and that those needs vary and some of that may be visible and some of that may be invisible, I think if we shift our understanding of what productivity looks like, what success looks like, what work-life balance looks like, then that will automatically make your workplace a more inclusive place for people who are disabled, mentally ill, or neurodivergent. And I think that people like us have crises throughout our lives that have to do with our health, our mental health, and our medical care that also requires managers who are understanding that we need extra support during those times of crises. But workplaces tend to not be very accommodating to anybody going through medical issues or issues around caretaking or any other kind of crisis. They tend to be unforgiving places. So I think as a whole, we should rethink what work even means, how it needs to look like, what we can do to include neurodivergent, disabled, and mentally ill people at our workplace, and continue to think through how a lot of our assumptions about disability are mixed with racist, sexist, homophobic, and other forms of oppressive ideas, which all eventually lead us to this idea of normalcy that doesn't exist, that is not realistic or sustainable to uphold. Hope this was helpful to help you reflect on neurodivergent, mentally ill, and disabled people and what we may face in the workplace. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. This has been Simone from Race Reflections. Take care. <laughs>